mutants returning to life just in time for Halloween, this week on The Walking Dead. Welcome to episode 15 of the Mutant Musings Podcast. It's October 2017, so we'll be discussing some comics and news from September 2017. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me, as always, is our very own teacher of advanced mutant sexuality, Patty. Before we move on to the rest of our opening, uh, Mutant Musings is now on Instagram. We're taking some of the best X-Men-related pictures, illustrations, panels, covers, and convention photos, and selfies we've either taken or found, and we're uploading them for your enjoyment. So head over to Instagram and follow us at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast. And here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on geekade.com, 1 million to save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook, some feedback on iTunes. We care about what you think about what we think about the X-Men. And we think that this podcast is going to be full of explicit content. So because we care about you and your loved ones, including crazy old Aunt Ginny, who washes all of her medication down with wine and spends an hour yelling at the fireplace, we want to give you fair warning that there will likely be a whole boatload of cursing for the next hour or so. Boatload or buttload? How much goes into a buttload? How much can you fit? How much of your load can you fit into a butt? I can fit a boatload of the load. In the buttload. Good to know. Okay. <clears throat> now that that's settled. All right. So uh, yeah, we have a we have a lot to talk about. So the first thing we want to catch up on is Weapon X number eight, and what they tried to do with this issue, which I kind of liked, was characterize uh, this Hulk Vereen a little bit more. I, I don't I don't know. I was thinking about the name that I gave him last time. He's not really green, so I can't call him Wolvergreen. But I like Saberwolf. Does anyone out there get that reference? Patty doesn't get that reference, I'm sure. You don't know is. what a saber wolf is. Okay, that's no, fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll tell you about Killer Instinct sometime. Oh, Maybe okay. when you're a little older. So I liked I liked this issue. I thought it was interesting, you know, that the Hulk Vereen was just kind of, you know, tearing through the entire team. And they kind of brought up later on in the book that... He was going after all of uh, the Weapon X team kind of based on how strong they were. Domino was the weakest, so she wasn't really a serious threat. So that's why this fucking... He didn't try to go after her and hurt her. Yeah. But, like, I picked up on that, actually, that, um, you know, he was, like, seriously tearing after Warpath and the rest of them. And that it was brought up that they were like, oh, wow, Domino, I guess you know, your uh, power of luck really came in handy. And somebody was like, mm, I don't think that's what it was. I think that he just didn't really go after her because he knew that she wasn't, you know, impervious or whatever the word is. <laughs> uh, no, and, and that that makes sense. I, I didn't pick up on that immediately. Actually, I thought What's she... What's that word? What, impervious? It's a word. No, but there's another word. Invulnerable. Yeah, that's the word. Invulnerable. <laughs> So, no, I, I, I didn't pick up on that. And actually, I thought that she would have been a larger threat because when you think about it, like, this Hulk Vereen is fucking huge. And, you know, okay, so Warpath and Sabretooth are kind of big too, but they still pale in comparison to this guy's size. But my point is is that everybody on this team is a close-range fighter, right? Except for Domino. And I'm thinking, like, she can take this guy out, even with, like, a bazooka or something, if need be, from a distance, and there was this one panel that just irked the shit out of me because she shot him right in the fucking eye and it bounced off. I was like, are you serious? How does that even work? What the fuck are his eyes made out of? 
I, I, I don't know. This is the thing when it comes to characters like this. Like, you see it with, like, maybe probably with Luke Cage, but definitely with someone like Tombstone. Villain, uh, characters, not villains, but just characters that are, like, impervious. Like, a weak spot is their eyes because it's, like, fucking jelly. But this guy doesn't have jelly eyes. He doesn't have any jelly beans. So, I, I don't know. But what I thought was interesting also was that um, Warpath was the one that Hulk Wolverine went after first. So that means that this thing considers Warpath the strongest and the biggest threat. What I also thought was interesting is in the last issue, when they were trying to track, when uh, Weapon X was trying to track Hulk Marine, Warpath and Sabretooth kind of got in like a little tiff over which direction the guy was traveling. Yeah. And Warpath is, War, Warpath is, Warpath's sense of smell, his tracking is better than Sabretooth's. Yeah. I, I thought that thought, was interesting. I thought that was bullshit. <laughs> what? Because, you I know. I thought that was awesome. I love Warpath. But, but like, how the fuck is his tracking better than Sabretooth's nose? Like, I don't. I will tell you right now. And here's how. Because he's Native American. So listen, so just before we started recording, we oh. watched we watched the episode of Spider Man and his amazing friends with the X Men adventure, <laughs> and in this episode, they decided to give Thunderbird uh, a secondary mutation where he can transform into different uh, like Native animals. No, 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 he just turned into a bear. He turned he into can, a bear. He, he can turn into at least a bear. Okay. We don't know about okay. anybody else. Okay. All right, so fine. So considering Warpath takes on takes on his his older brother's characteristics, there you go. He's got that grizzly bear sense of smell. Boom. Okay. Get rocked. Alright. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean so this was kinda interesting. They tried to really characterize this villain, this this dude named Clayton, that apparently he was part of the military and just fucking went nuts and shot up his own team. Somehow this dude's got a wife and kids waiting for him at home. I, I don't know. This They're was also Nazis, I guess. I guess. But this was weird, you know, so like as Hulk Vereen, he's kinda like impervious. But then he's he's in his human form, and his one kid shoot him with a fucking Nerf dart, and he's got like this hole, and he's bleeding. I'm like, well, what the fuck? So is he super? Is he super weak in his human form? Is that the contrast? Like, I don't know. But apparently, it's Nerf or nothing. Eh? Yes. Uh, whatever. Um, Was it like a Nerf though, or did it actually have like a needle in it? I don't think it, it had a, a needle. Honestly, I don't know. It probably wasn't a Nerf gun, but like it looked like a plastic dart. And like, how the hell did it leave a hole, like this fucking gaping, bleeding hole? You know what I mean? I guess maybe that was that was after he got the transformation, right? Yeah. Well, he so had maybe transformed that's... back to no. I human meant form. that like that he was done being experimented on. So maybe. Mm -hmm. All of the experiments and stuff, you know, make him super strong and invul like uh, invulnerable <laughs> In and impervious. Invulnerable is that the word? In unvulnerable, invulnerable. In invulnerable. Vulnerable. <laughs> That's like that... trying to say Marlboro. I can't. Marlboro. Marlboro. There is an interview. There's this. Listen, three consonants right next to each other. Who can say that? There's a, uh, I saw an interview um, that they, so I, I forget, I don't even know who the fuck it was. They were having with the Beatles, and uh, John was being funny, and he took out his pack of cigarettes, and he did like, I guess it was the line that the ad campaign for Mar Marlboro in the 60s. So he takes out his pack, of, he's like, Marlboro for buddies and pals. And I thought that was really funny. That was, that was John Lennon. But he said the British pronounced it Marlboro. 
Yeah, um, I just I just get rid of one of the letters there. It's either Mal Marlboro, Marlboro, Morale, Marlboro, Morale. Okay, let's Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, let's smoke those Marilyn Monroes. (laughs) All right. Anyway, now he's invulnerable. Now he's Marilyn Monroe. Now he's in his in his Hulk form. But in his human form, he's extra vulnerable. He's extra Monroe. Yes, he's extra vulnerable. You're being extra right now. So, Thank you. Anyway, the end of the issue, Laura shows up. Yes. So now we have all new Wolverine. Yes. Uh, and now we so have be fun. fucking three people Everybody's... with stabby hand things. No, four people. Four people with stabby hand things. Yeah, and uh, one guy with stabby knife things. And then there's uh, the little lady who shoots. Yes. Right, all right. So moving on. So we have a lot of diversity. Yeah, so Weapon X number eight was pretty good. I'm still I'm still digging this, and I'm glad that uh, uh, Amadeus Cho is out of there, because fuck that guy. Uh, moving on. We have Old Man Logan number... 28, and I think this is uh, this is cute. They open with a little reunion between Old Man Logan and Clint. The thing is, is like this is weird, right? So I don't know if this is like the official original Old Man Logan timeline, or if this is from when they were in like the wastelands during Secret Wars. It's all very confusing, and this is what Marvel does. There's this little Hulk girl that's gonna steal a pig from Logan's farm. I don't know. Logan has some words with her, and you know she makes off with the pig anyway. I didn't really know what they were trying to what they were trying to do with that. I figured that that was going to come back, and it came back immediately in this issue. But we'll get to that. Uh, I thought it was really interesting though that there was all this infighting in Maestro's group of Hulks. Like some of them are trying to challenge his leadership, and he just fucking destroyed them. That was fantastic. He, like, it was so bloody. He was like this old dude, Gaping and he just. Hole. He just got so fucking huge and jacked and just smashed them down. And crotchety. Yeah. This is what crotchety old people do. Don't trust them. Because you never they know when they're like, going to try to beat you to death. They, they were complaining that, you know, Maestro told them to come to this time and they would be prosperous. And, you know, like the Hulk gang could rule this world and it hasn't been happening, and they're getting restless, and they want to go back to the wastelands. So Maestro just fucking shut it down, killed one of them, and said, anybody else got a problem? Yeah, but here's the thing, and here's the thing with that, though. Like, they're talking about, like, just taking out old man Logan. Like, he's, like, the big the big fucking superhero of the Marvel Universe. They can go ahead and try to kill old man Logan, and if they succeed, great, but, like, it's not over. Like, it's not going to stop there. You still would have, like, the Avengers to deal with. You know what I mean? The there X-Men, are still... the Defenders, the Champions, Alpha Flight, Beta Flight, There's... West Coast Avengers, Great Lake <laughs> Avengers. Fucking... Pet Avengers. Fu- pet Avengers. Fucking uh, Namor. Inhumans. Yeah, you would have all the fish. And Namor and his fish uh, to fucking deal with. You All know? the spider people. All the spider people. That's that's true. Daredevil. Uh, I'm sure Daredevil could throw Billy Club pretty good. Um, oh, so, this Clint also. Yeah, yeah, and young Clint. So I, I don't know. I, uh, what I did think was uh, was was actually funny though was the dialogue between Logan and Clint. There's like driving in the car, and you know Clint's trying to be like all supportive of Logan now and. Uh, Logan decides to tell him, like, oh, you marry Spider-Man's daughter and she leaves you for an Ultron. Like, that was fucking hilarious. I thought that was really funny. And so now we find out the identity of the pig stealer from the beginning of the issue towards the end of the issue. It's that it's that Hulk 
Cambria, the female, one of the female Hulks. She was a pig stealer, and yeah, there was absolutely no fucking surprise there. I okay, well, fine. Then I'm stupid, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 You are. Fuck? That was so obvious. Okay. Okay, Miss Unvulnerable. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Because that because that's a word. Uh huh. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Stick with your accounting. So I I, I just. I think this is this is going to be kind of obvious, though. So, right? So, like, these Hulks just want to, like, nuke the planet, which is fine. I mean, somebody has to nuke the planet. Uh, might as well be the Hulks. True. And Cambria is like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna help you guys. But listen, there are children that are involved in this, and they're innocent. So promise me that we're going to keep them safe. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. <laughs> so Wait, basically... did the Hulk gang kill Logan's children? Yeah, they did. Okay. And he was trying to save other children in some kind of cave or something, and I feel like they killed them too. Uh, yeah, but he did save the one Hulk baby. Oh, okay, yeah, that was at the end of the original Man Logan story. Right, and what I'm thinking is like, as soon as Cambria is like, promise to keep these kids safe, and Logan is like, all right, you just signed their death warrant. These kids are going to fucking die now. You know these kids are going to die. I'm going to be disappointed if I don't open up the issue, the next issue, and see some dead children. That's Same. what I want to see. I want to uh, open up Old Man Logan number 29, Dead Hulk Children, on the front page. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, no, this is this has been a, a good story. I'm, I'm really happy with the new creative team so far. Uh, the writing has been good. The art has been good. There was one panel, though, uh, when they were in the car, like, facing head-on, where Clint's face looked a little weird. It kind of looked like, I don't know, he had just eaten a lemon. Uh <laughs> I, is this a, I, I don't know how else to put it. And like he was getting his butthole licked or something. I don't know. <laughs> Topical, right? Am I right, guys? All right. Uh, All right, so- now for something <laughs> crappy. All right. Let's go to the last issue of this fucking shitstorm that who who is writing this? Who literally, oh, literally, who is writing this? Uh, Robinson. Mr. Robinson. Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. Listen, uh, I'm sure you're a nice guy, but this book is fucking garbage. Oh, God. Uh, Of course, we're talking about Cable, and you only got uh, five issues deep before Marvel was like, nah, bro, you chill. We're going to replace you because this is fucking garbage. Good luck trying to even get five inches deep now. Am I right, Mr. Robinson? (laughs) (laughs) Um... So yeah. this, this book has the Savage Land, giant guns, and fucking dinosaurs. Yeah. Because why the fuck not? Yeah, well, I mean, all right. So, yeah, no, this this series, in my opinion, has not been good. It's been garbage. There are people out there who, who have liked it. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for you. Like, you know, it's not going to make me happy to see everybody hate an X-Men-related title. This just hasn't really been a, a good story at at all. The dialogue in this was just painful. Like they're just cable and conquest are going back and forth. I have an army. It doesn't matter. I'll beat you. You can't win. This is a war. We're not done. And yeah. then and then like this one one page in the book, the artist even gets lazy. And and this guy's not bad, but the artist gets lazy and just everything's black. It's all a shadow. Like they don't even want to show what's happening. Yeah, and um, he sets up all of these little, 
what are they called? Transmitters or something? Some little like beacons or something. Yes, yeah, I, I like this though, but you there go were first. Beacons that I guess acted like dog whistles or something, where he could he was like, oh, these beacons allow me to control any animal, including dinosaurs. It was just and then, dinosaurs. And then like the next page was that. It's just this two-page spread of Cable with all these dinosaurs behind him. That was amazing. Which okay, that was that was funny. That was fucking amazing. But Who doesn't love dinosaurs? I'm okay with dinosaurs. They're you're, not my favorite. Your friend Danny loves dinosaurs. My friend Danny he and my friend Athena love dinosaurs. They should read this book. They should not <laughs> read this book. Nobody <laughs> should read this book. It's stupid. This book is for dinosaur lovers. Cable is for dinosaur lovers. Well, okay, you know what? Virginia is for lovers. Cable is for dinosaur lovers. You know what? <laughs> Athena told me that Sauron isn't a dinosaur because he flies and dinosaurs don't fly. I and thought, I'm like, you're a bitch. I thought t- pterodactyl. He's supposed to be like a pterodactyl. Yeah, she said pterodactyls aren't dinosaurs. Bullshit. No, I looked it up. They're not. Fake news. No, <laughs> fake news. Listen. They're, they're still they're like giant lizard things. They just fly. So they're yeah, flying yeah. dinosaurs. Giant lizard. Okay. Dinosaur. Giant lizards are dinosaurs. Yes. That's how it works. That's literally how it works. And nobody can tell me any different. Listen, listen, my entire life, nobody has ever told me that a pterodactyl was not a dinosaur. You are not. I'm 33 years old. I'm a grown-ass man. You're not going to tell me a different now. It's like this whole Pluto yeah. bullshit. Pluto the is a planet. Fucking, shut the fuck up. Pluto is a planet. Pluto will always be a planet. So everybody <laughs> just shut the fuck up. Fake news. All right. Anyway. The world is flat, and yeah, it's right. always been flat. Right? Yeah. Get over it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so this this series is over. Um, it's it's fucking sort of, Odin. It's sort of getting rebooted for Marvel Legacy. So the next issue we get, it's going to be Cable number 150, and we're going to have a new creative team, which um, it's going to be Ed Brisson, who is the guy who took over uh, isn't that, Old Man Logan. Isn't a... A brisson, you know that thing where uh, little oh Jewish God. boys get their dicks cut why, off. Why? What? Why are you having so many, tr- so many troubles, <laughs> so many troubles with words today? Yeah, it's called a bris. Well, okay, well it's close enough. It's a bris on. Get your bris on. <laughs> right? Am I right? I'm right. All right. It's gonna so, be. It's gonna be a new dance. Yeah, get your bris everybody, on. Everybody, get your bris on. <laughs> so okay, so I just wanted to mention this real quick for those of you who have been to a comic book store um which hopefully <laughs> none of you hopefully is who's our target some market again? some of you <laughs> we're, um, ta- we're targeting the jews right that's why we that's why we brought up get your bris on <laughs> yeah so oh my god for those of you who have been in comic book stores you know when you ever see dollar bins or 50 cent bins it's always filled with just so many issues of Bishop and so many issues of Cable. So I'm wondering how long until this series of Cable ends up in the dollar or 50 cent bin, which is the IE nobody wants this bullshit bin. Oh, no, it's not going to take very long. I'm I'm sure. You know, this was a very, very short series, five issues. I, I have a feeling that what they did was they wanted to set up Cable in his own solo story outside of like Uncanny Avengers to set him up for this Marvel Legacy sort of reboot thing where he gets this new team of mutants, which we'll, we'll see how that kind of 
how that kind of pans out starting with the next issue. But I have a feeling that's why they did this short little like interlude between like, oh, we see him in the Uncanny Avengers title pretty regularly. And now all of a sudden he's on his own. He's got a team of mutants. Well, what happened in between there? So maybe that's kind of what this was. But unfortunately, it, it was a load of it garbage. Was not, it was not very good. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, moving on. Hey, Mr. Robinson. Bum, bum, bum. That's a song. But it's Mrs. Robinson. It's like a cougar. It's about a cougar. It's a song about a cougar. Uh huh. It's from that movie that I had to watch in my film class. Mm hmm. Tell me The more. Graduate? The Gra. Oh, with Dustin Hoffman. Okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know a terrible, terrible old, like, 60s song, but you don't know who Dustin Hoffman is. That That is correct. Oh, man. All right. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, okay, so moving on, we're going to... Talk about sex. Talk about um, advanced mutant sexuality with uh, Professor Dupe. I fucking love that so much. Generation X number six. Listen, I, I hate Dupe. I did, since, uh, since always, I've never liked Dupe, but this was funny. This was funny, and he's, you know, talking about all the sexy things. You can just, you don't know what he says. He's making he's, his faces, and then he's got, he's got the face that he makes where he's blushing, and it says kiss right next to his mouth. I was like, all right. This is kind of funny. It, and Nature it, Girl was turned on. I was like, oh, man, why? He was pretty much like uh, Kenny from South Park because you didn't know what he was saying, uh, but you knew that it was fucked up. That's that's very true. That I never thought of it like that before. That's very true. Yeah, but Kenny's kind of cute. Dupe isn't. I don't think... Dupe is cute. I don't think Dupe is cute. Dupe is cute. I don't like, I don't like green potatoes. Well, he's cute. So I, I, you know, I, I feel bad for, for Benjamin. You know, he kind of was forgotten about not very long after his introduction in like Uncanny X-Men a couple of years ago. And then like now he's just kind of like the guy who's getting dragged through Quentin Quire's bullshit. He's like falling asleep in class and Nathaniel calls Quentin out on it. And it's really cool. It's really cool to see this new character being characterized so well. Like, Nathaniel is very confident. He's very confident. He's pretty outspoken. It's just really interesting. Because when I think of, like, all these, like, new students, like, you could see it with iBoy. You could see it with Nature Girl. You could see it with fucking Benjamin Deeds. They're, like, unsure about themselves. You know what I mean? They're They're kind of, like, quieter. They're really, like, a little overwhelmed. Don't really know what's what. But Nathaniel already seems like he's grown up, like he's kind of worldly. Probably a stupid word to use to describe him. But I think he's a really interesting character so far, and I really like the dynamic he, he brings to this team. Because you have somebody like Bling, too, who's also kind of confident, but she's angry. <laughs> she's just, like, angry all the time. Yeah, and, you know, obviously Nathaniel saw how Benjamin was acting in class and, like, falling asleep and everything. And so Nathaniel reached out and touched Quentin, to like yeah. uh, see his memories and that see cool. like what they were up to and stuff. And Quentin was like, oh, you know, you read my mind without permission. And he was like, oh, well, I just did what you would have done. Yeah, that and was I really I thought cool. that was cool because uh, we all know Quentin would have done that. Absolutely. So long ago. Yeah, and he was ready to do that to, uh, he wanted Nathaniel to do that to face when they were trying to figure out what happened to him. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's interesting that, you know, Quentin is dealing with his rejection from EDA just by this whole crisis of, like, acting out and dragging somebody else through it. And then, you know, they're, like, at a bar and getting drunk, and he's, like, really broken up about it. 
So I like the little interlude with Jubilee and uh, and Chamber and how they beat up that mugger. And that was cool. I, I want to see more of that. I really do love seeing the kids, uh, the teenagers, you know, going to do their own thing. But I enjoy Jubilee and I've always loved Chamber because he was always broody. And, you know, that was basically me. And his name is Jonathan. That's right. So then um, Nathaniel decides that he's going to go out with Quentin and with Benji. And they go to this fucking auction. Quentin is like, Benji, my boyfriend. You know, fucking Cade killed Kilgore? Yeah. He's there and uh, he's running the auction and he's got these fucking like nano sentinels that he's trying to like auction off. And then Fenris fucking bids on it. And so now it's up to Nathaniel and Quentin and Benji to go fucking get it back. This is going to be really cool. Like, I'm really excited to see this. Quentin called Benji his boyfriend in front of Cade who is like a fucking sadistic 12-year-old. Yeah. I fucking, oh God, I hate him probably the most out of any villain ever. Because um, he's a kid? Yeah, the whole group <laughs> of them. I hated them so much. Um, and uh, so that makes them like perfect villains because they were all fucking terrible. And Quentin, mm. Quentin figured that, you know, Cade was homophobic, which I guess he was because he just kind of like left. Yeah. I, I, the, that whole kid Hellfire Club, I, they were perfect villains because they were such little dipshits. However, I do have to say that I loved Wilhelmina Kensington. She was absolutely fucking insane. And didn't she like kill a penguin? She, she killed some sort of animal that I love. It could have even been a cat, but seriously though, she was just so sick and twisted. It was just, it was, I hated all of them. I, I, I liked her just for that. So Generation X has been great. I, I've loved this since issue one. I want more of it. I'm happy that we have a better artist now. Uh, I I don't know if he's like the regular artist. Uh, somebody on one of the groups that we're a part of said that somebody else is going to be doing a couple of issues. It's possible. But I, I'm certain that I read over a month ago, maybe two months ago, that Ericota was taken over. I just, I feel bad for Emil Carpina. Uh, it's just, eh. Your art is bad. Uh, I saw some of his art, though, that was actually kind of good. I, I Googled it. It's just there are certain shots where it looked really awkward so i don't know i mean you know we, we got a better artist now so that's the bottom line uh moving on to iceman number five really why i wanted to get into this was because iceman finally this is what we've been building towards comes out to his parents and man this was upsetting and painful to read because of how they react you know he's like i'm gay and they're like are you sure and mom is like Oh, muties and queers must come from, you know, your side. It's your fault, William. And then fucking dad is just like, no, our son is dead. Iceman wins. And one of them was like, why can't you just stay with women? This was cute, though, how Quentin was listening in. (laughs) He goes, oh, snap. For the record, I'm in complete support of marriage equality. Yeah, and then somebody (laughs) dragged him away. That was, yeah, it was EDA. Okay. That was fantastic. But again, the actual fights with the villains, you know, are just kind of a backdrop for Iceman to kind of realize something else about himself. But like I said, it had been building towards this. He came out to his parents. It was not received very well. Their dialogue was, I'm, I'm sure, was very accurate to what maybe other intolerant homophobic people would say to their kids. And that's really sad. But, you know, <clears throat> you flip to the back. 
and look at some of the letters people have written in and how happy they are and how much they're saying we need a book like this. And that's great. I have liked Iceman so far. I hope it continues. I, I have suspicions about this book and Jean Grey, which I'll get to in a little bit, but it's it's really interesting. Uh, I think it is necessary. I think it is important. I'm enjoying it, except the art in this issue was... So, Alessandro Vitti and Rosenberg, so I've seen them work together on stuff before, and... Like, some of the drawings are okay, but then you get, like, other art in the book that looks, like, like splotchy. It's, like, thick and lumpy and weird. So it's not, like, really consistent. You're thick and lumpy and weird. Oh, man. I love you, too. So, yeah. I generally like the art, but, like I said, occasionally it's just, like, inconsistent and lumpy and, nah, I don't know, it's thick. It makes the images look weird, but... Otherwise, I, I liked it, and I think this whole thing that he can turn into vapor makes 100% sense, and uh, let's see a little bit more of that. What do you think? Yeah, no, I thought that it was really cool and uh, that, you know, they're still progressing him, not just, like, socially as a character, you know, with him coming out and being gay now, but, like, uh, advancing his powers, because yeah. as we've seen a while ago, this fucking Iceman wizard thing that we bring up all the time that was amazing and you know yeah it's essentially ice gandalf you know so it makes sense that he's still progressing as uh not just a character but as a superhero and you know he's learning more about his powers and stuff like that so i think that's cool i thought that this issue was pretty rough it was only because kitty gave iceman's parents the letter that he was writing to send to them before he realized okay maybe i should come out in person and that's i think where his dad realized okay so he's like actually a person but this is something i'm gonna have to deal with for some reason because i'm an asshole so i thought that okay at least there's that maybe there's like room for them to you know, progress as human beings and be more accepting of their fucking child. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Because at the end, you know, mom is gone already. Dad stays back and listens to Bobby as he's talking about this whole vapor thing, which was kind of weird. But I guess I could, you know, I mean, Bobby doesn't really know what to say at this point. It's just he's kind of drained. It's awkward. But uh, I don't know. At least the dad listens to him and says, for what it's worth, like, I, I still love you. I can't identify with this, but I can certainly sympathize. That's that's got to be that's got to be rough. And you know, I mean, I go to college. Uh, I've had a class with actually um, a bunch of homosexual guys, and we were like telling these stories or whatever. And a couple of them shared about how like when they came out with to their parents and how like their fathers were so accepting. I mean, shit. One of them even got a tattoo of like a rainbow flag in support of his son. And the this this classmate that I had was like crying like out of joy about it and I can't imagine like like somebody like dealing with this with such intolerant homophobic parents it's painful but I know that it's real but I don't want to take up too much more time on this because that was like the big thing about this book yeah he fought with the juggernaut and he turned into vapor and he had ice wings and it was all very pretty and cute but really like that's what this series has been building towards so far and so we'll we'll see what happens from here Okay, so next we're going to be talking about Jean Grey number seven. So last episode, we decided uh, on codenames for Jean. 
So to distinguish uh, cute gene, <laughs> cute gene is the young time displaced gene. And we've been calling our original gene beautiful gene. But she's also ghost gene. Yes, now she is ghost gene. So beautiful ghost gene. Beautiful ghost gene. BGJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to let that one sink in for a little while. You go ahead. <laughs> okay. So Jean, young Jean, cute Jean's phone hasn't been working since she went swimming with Namor. Like, I don't understand why she wouldn't have taken it out of her pocket or whatever. But any anyway, she was walking through this uh, subway terminal. Beautiful Jean was following her around and yelling at her. And so cute Jean started, she put like headphones in and was pretending like she was on her phone, even though it was broken so that uh, people wouldn't think that she was crazy. So, I mean, then she stopped the whole pretense that she was on her phone and just started screaming at ghost Jean and everybody was just staring at them. That was so funny. Well, at young Jean. yeah. Yeah. So Scarlet Witch was trying to help cute Jean by helping her like de-stress scarlet witch and ghost jean had two very separate ideas of how to treat cute jean scarlet witch was trying to basically coddle her and like you know take her out have a good time they went to a baking class (laughs) they went somewhere else and they go to like a club or something okay so they went to uh they went to a beach which was kind of funny they were like doing yoga or some shit and like you know, uh, Ghost Jean is just like getting really pissed off and is like, there are dinosaurs coming at you and they're getting even more pissed when they go to this monster cooking class. And that I thought was really, really funny. Ghost Jean was just getting more and more annoyed the entire time. Because the whole time, <laughs> the whole time, Ghost Jean has just try- been trying to look out for cute Jean and telling her like, listen, like I lived through all of this. I know how to train you to do this she doesn't she's wasting your time you're wasting your time you need to get serious about this and start training harder in case the phoenix does come for you you need to be ready for it because i have had to deal with that for the last 50 years yeah but meanwhile they're taking a cooking class Yeah, so, so this is hilarious. So understandably, <laughs> Ghost Gene is angry. Yeah. I've been arguing with Monster Metropolis Immigration for 45 minutes because apparently unregistered spirits have to be processed. I thought that was so funny. Just the art on this yeah. was perfect. That was that was great. I love that. And then the, the monster chef is like, everything's better with butter. And then Ghost Gene really flips out. And starts possessing everyone. Like, I, I was laughing out loud at this. I, I just, I thought it was weird to see her so angry. No, so I totally negative. understand it, though, because she doesn't want young Jean to make the same mistakes that she did. I, I, I don't know. It's just, it was, it was just, it struck me as a little weird. Like, I get that. It's just, it was a little over the top. But, but the best part about this is that when she possesses cute Jean, she goes to fucking Emma Frost's oh, house. Oh. And then Emma's like, yeah, yeah. Ghost Jean just flies out of cute Jean and just goes diving into Emma Frost. And I about shit my pants with joy. I want to see what she's going to do. This made me so fucking happy. I wanted to vomit. 
I was all of my organs out, <laughs> and I just wanted to start licking the paper this book was printed on. What the fuck? Like, I don't even know what my reaction to this is. I fucking hate Emma Frost. I love Jean Grey. I want Jean Grey to do something really fucked up and have everybody blame it on Emma. This was really actually frightening to me. You know, when uh, the possessed cute Jean goes to Emma and they're like ready to fight. You know, Emma is all in her diamond form, like ready to throw down. And then that one moment where, you know, Emma gets knocked on the floor, lowers the diamond form and is going to try to read her telepathically. This look on Jean's face, the gotcha look on her face was actually fucking scary. Like, I had goosebumps. It, it was, was scary. It was beautiful. And then Ghost Jean jumps out and goes into Emma Frost. So, like, what the fuck is going to happen now? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens next. I do love Emma Frost. I have a feeling she's going to get dragged further through the mud. Yes! Um, well, whatever. But here's the thing, and, and I want to throw this out there really quick because I said I was going to get to this before. So, I both Iceman and Jean Grey feel like they're going to be limited series. I, I get that they're quote-unquote ongoing, but they feel like they're going to have like a, a, an actual ending and that they're kind of finite series. The evidence of this to me, like with Jean Grey, is that, and we'll touch on the news story a little bit more later, not that there's much to it yet, except we know that actual adult Jean Grey is coming back. That leads me to believe that this series featuring young Jean Grey might be ending when that happens. And I get the same sort of feeling with Iceman that, you know, that it's a finite series. These two solo titles, I, I don't know. Obviously, we, we don't know for sure, but that's kind of the sense that I'm getting, that these series might be ending maybe by the end of the year. Um, I kind of thought that from the beginning. I didn't know how long these series would actually last for because, I mean, with characters that are, you know, usually more liked and more popular than Gene and Iceman, like... You know, they had a Rogue series, they had um, a Storm series, Gambit. Nightcrawler, Grambit, Cyclops. You know, they were ongoings, but, you know, none of them lasted more than, like, 12 issues. Mm. Thereabouts. <clears throat> Even Magneto. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, we'll see what happens. I'm not hoping that these series end in the next few months, but I'm just saying that I get the feeling. Uh, that they might be. So, are you happy we're switching from cable to a new mutant service? Do you believe that Maestro is about to conduct his last orchestra? Do you want to build the nice man? And if so, would he have wings? Stay frozen right there, and we'll be back after a quick break. Do you have geeky interests and also like scary things? You mean like the bat nipples on George Clooney and Batman and Robin? I said scary, not sexy. Geekade.com is a website dedicated to all kinds of nerddoms. From Doctor Who to wrestling to Mega Man to baseball, we've got something for every geek. And since October is the spookiest month of the year, Geekade is celebrating with its annual 31 Days of Halloween, where we post something nerdy that relates to Halloween every single day. We'll also be posting audio of Geekade staff reading stories from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Stop by geekade.com today where you can celebrate Halloween in geeky style. 
Speaking of Halloween, did you know there's a Facebook page dedicated to Wolverine and the X-Men? What the fuck does that have to do with Halloween? Are you giving out candy? One million to save Wolverine and the X-Men is dedicated to news, art, selling sweet swag, and a mutant of the day every single day. But now I want candy, you asshole! Stop by one million to save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook today. Don't I sound spooky? You sound like a jerk. Buy me candy. Okay, everyone, so for this month's Mutant Memories, I wanted to talk about an aspect of Uncanny X-Men number 127 uh, by Claremont and Byrne, which came out in November of 1979. The actual title of the issue is The Quality of Hatred, which makes it sound so spooky, which is perfect for October. Uh, So this is in the middle of a of the battle with uh, Proteus. They found out that Moira McTaggart had a son that she was keeping in confinement because he was so powerful and so whatever. Yeah, really fucked up. And uh, yeah, but anyway, the X-Men have to take care of him. So the X-Men kind of get their asses handed to them as they're trying to fight Proteus because he doesn't really take like an actual form. He can jump from person to person. He has reality warping abilities. So fucking Moira McTaggart, the fucking kid's mother is ready to just take him out and fucking snipe him right in the right in between his fucking eyes. And like she's ready to take the kill shot and Cyclops stops her. Moira is pissed because like this was our one chance to actually take out this threat. So she hits him in the gut and knocks him out and like he hits his head on a rock and he's laying there unconscious. And I thought that was kind of funny. So Moira runs away and does what she has to do. Scott comes to, and the X-Men sort of regroup, and for reasons unexplained at first, Scott starts picking on Wolverine. Okay, but you need to point this out first, because Wolverine was acting like such a pussy. He was shaking. He was shaking. He was stuttering. Like, what? This is Wolverine. You know? Like, he's been through everything. He's fucking fought the Hulk. Why is he acting like such a fucking pussy now? Well, I I mean, he and Nightcrawler had a run-in with Proteus, I think, in the previous issue, and I think that's what shook him up a little bit. Yeah, but it was, like, still so out of character for him. It was a little weird, but I I, I think this was the way to, like, make this scene work, because I don't think this would have worked had he done it to Colossus or Nightcrawler. If Scott had started picking on Nightcrawler, do you see Nightcrawler getting really pissed off and trying to punch at him? No, but or Colossus. I, I, I think Wolverine like... is the only one this would have worked with. Yeah, okay, but I don't think that they should have made him act like that. I thought that was really stupid, but go on. No, but, and, and that's okay. It's okay to think that that was stupid. Um, I, I don't think that it was smart. I just think it progressed the story. This whole thing was kind of ridiculous to me. So Scott picks the fight with fucking Wolverine. He pushes Nightcrawler out of the way, pours coffee on Wolverine, right? Storm ha- got injured from the fight with Proteus, and her like arm is being wrapped up. Uh, Scott shoots out the ground <laughs> from underneath her, and is like injuring this, further injuring this already injured woman. He bounces a beam off of Colossus into into Wolverine. Nightcrawler like gets teleported on top of Cyclops, and Cyclops just shoots him with a beam, and. Apparently, it was all just a joke, you know? It was, uh, it was, a, it was a test to make uh, sure that they could still all react. Uh, gotcha. Uh, uh, we were just having fun, guys. Like, really? Like, come on. And the, the thing is, though, the, 
and I, I get that, all right? Just to keep us all on our toes, right? But then Wolverine starts smiling and is like, ah, I should have never doubted you, boss man. And everybody's like all happy and patting him on the back. That's, I'm like, what? That's what I'm saying. Okay, it wasn't just that, but it was because Cyclops said uh, he got knocked out like with over nothing from Moira and he wanted to see if he could still... yeah. Like, make proper decisions. You know, it was weird that uh, Wolverine didn't detect that it was Proteus right away. So he wanted to check to make sure that, you know, basically everyone could still react and fight after being injured from their fight with Proteus or getting knocked out by Moira McTaggart. And that was, like, his explanation. But, yeah, I thought it was really weird. And I just I just don't like Scott. He's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you hate everyone I love. God, I, it's awful. I, okay, I like the newer Scott. Young Scott? No, not young Scott. Like the fucking... Adul- anti-hero adult Scott? Yeah. Who's dead now? Yes. Yeah. That All is right. the Scott that I like. That's fine. Until then, I did not like him. All right. I, I've, always, I've always loved Cyclops. I'm not going to defend his stupid and shitty actions, but... I've always loved Cyclops. Anyway, so that's it for the mutant memory. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to kind of contrast this with um, September's issue of Champions, which is Champions number 12. And it really gives a spotlight on young Cyclops. I know it's not like an X book, but, you know, young Cyclops is in there. This issue really focused on him. So the team, the Champions, you know, got into this battle with um, Psycho Man and Psycho Man's power, which is to like amplify emotions and just fuck with your head, it gets transferred to Cyclops. So he's like flipping out. It was completely uncharacteristic. What I liked was at the beginning of this issue, they kind of open up with how tightly wound even young Cyclops is. Like the rest of the team is doing karaoke. He doesn't want to join in. The rest of the team are like got these elaborate Halloween costumes. He's wearing a fake mustache. Like he's just, he's not the kind of guy who goes out and has fun. You know what I mean? And so when he gets hit with Psycho Man's power, it's just he's all over the place. And it's hilarious to watch him cut loose. He's like shooting the beams at the ground and lifting himself into the air. And he's like, look, I can fly. He's just going on this emotional roller coaster. We get to this point where where one of them calls him Slim. And he's like, I love the name Slim. Nicknames make me feel like I'm being paid attention to. And then he's sitting there like watching YouTube and he's pointing and laughing. He's like, this dog is on a Segway. Come see this. And like the whole team is just like face palming. But then there's this one point in the issue where he snaps out of it and he goes completely emotional in the opposite direction. And he's like, I can't make a single mistake ever. These powers don't go away. There's this little piece of ruby quartz and that's all that's stopping me from killing everybody around me. I'll never know what it's like to have a girl look at me with kindness. Just, it's, it was so beautifully illustrated by like Humberto Ramos. Just the emotion on Scott's face, the panels drawn of actual pretty scenery, but all in red. Like, I feel like in one issue, this creative team made me really feel for Cyclops' permanent plight than any of the writers back in the 60s did. So I really appreciated this issue, just how like traumatized he is because he can't ever take that stuff off. He's afraid to cry. He always sees things in red and it's just, I don't know, it was, it was actually a little touching to me. Like I said, more so than they ever did in the 60s with this topic. So I understood like why Cyclops 
Like, I understood why Cyclops was the way he was, why he was, like, Mr. No Personality. Like, you know, you can never have any fun. And, like, oh, if you're going to play baseball, no powers, that's irresponsible. And, you know, just, like, shit like that, um, I think, too, when I think of Cyclops. And also, it was around the time of our mutant memory. Cyclops and the rest of the X-Men, the new X-Men, thought that Gene and Hank were dead. So, like, a few issues later, Scott started dating Colleen Wing. So he always has to be with somebody, and he always acts like, you know, a whiny little bitch who's like, you know, the Boy Scout thing. You know, he's got to be in charge. Everything has to be the way he says it, and nobody can ever have fun. (laughs) And that's why I don't like Cyclops. I think he's, like, such a stiff character, and... I really liked seeing him, like, cut loose and stuff. It reminded me of, like, Teen Titans episode almost, this issue. So that's why I liked it a lot. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see Scott, at least young Scott, like, you know, let him have that fun. I uh, I don't know. I, I, think it's, I think it's interesting. I kind of identify with him in a way. I mean, him wanting to keep his feelings sort of sort of buried like that and being, like, rigid all the time you're a cancer you're the opposite of that yeah so i guess maybe you know he's kind of like goals for me you know what i mean (laughs) 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 all right so yeah there you go all right so so that's that all right now moving on to some news i picked out some of the more important stories at least i thought would be a little bit more important there was a couple about Couple of news stories about the Dark Phoenix movie coming out next year. Who uh, cares? Number one is that Jessica Chastain, who was allegedly going to be playing Lalandra, is not playing Lalandra. She posted on her Instagram account that said, "Hey folks, want a scoop? Not playing Lalandra," and then it was removed. So if if she's not playing Lalandra, they're they're asking, "What was this?" I'll post a link. Um, who will Chastain play in the movie? Well, I don't, I don't really care, but like, who's then who's going to play Lalandra? I mean, they kind of need somebody to, to do that. I mean, they don't really need to, but that would certainly make sense considering the source material, even if we want to stay, uh, I don't know, even little touch on the source material, like throw Lalandra in there. It just, it would make sense to me. I don't, I don't Who know cares? what they're doing. All right. Well, next is, um, so Daniel Cudmore is apparently playing somebody in Dark Phoenix. When a fan asked Cudmore on Twitter if he'd be playing Colossus or Gladiator, Cudmore stated that he could not reveal the character's name. So I don't think that he's going to be playing Colossus anymore. He's the guy who played Colossus in X-Men 2 and X-Men 3 and Days of Future Past, but he, he hasn't played Colossus since. They offered him... Uh, the role in Deadpool, but since it was going to be all CGI, the guy passed. And I'm sure he's probably kicking himself now because of the amount of money that movie made. But apparently he's going to be playing somebody in Dark Phoenix. I I, I don't know. I people That's why people are speculating Gladiator because he's a pretty big and buff dude. And that would kind of that would make, make sense. sense. Uh, you, know, you remember what the guy looks like, right? I mean, do you yeah. think he could play Gladiator? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, I don't see why not. Gladiator is a pretty, like, humanoid-looking guy. Yeah. He just has a mohawk and, what, like, purple skin? And he's purple. Yeah, and he's purple. So they can just paint him purple, give him a mohawk. Bam, done. All right, Gladiator. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And it's Fox, so that's probably what they're going to do. 
They're going to, you know, go to Home Depot, get some paint, you know, slap it on him. Yeah. And here's a mohawk. Yep. Get out there and go do your thing. Yep, that's right. Now, this was actually kind of interesting. And and this, this you, we got to take this with a grain of salt because who knows? Dark Phoenix, the movie, might be a two-parter. So this was uh, Olivia Munn, who's playing Psylocke. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I'm supposed to be vague. That's my answer. I'm horrible at that. It's like a two-parter, this movie. That's more than I've said in general. I don't know why people have to be so secretive. So, two things here. First of all, she said it's like a two-parter. So, is she just a belly girl, or is it a two-parter? <laughs> yeah. Or is it like, okay, so it's a two-hour movie, and then there's an intermission where you can go to the bathroom in the movie theater, and then you sit back down for another hour well, to watch the rest of the movie. All right, so let's, let's, let's dial it back for a second. Don't go to the bathroom in the movie theater. Go to the bathroom in the bathroom at the movie theater. Yes. Don't actually crap on the floor yes, of the please. movie theater. Yes, please. No, we have to go there, too. And, yo, listen, and if you do that, it's not our fault because here's a disclaimer right here so don't do that don't poop in the movie theater go in the bathroom uh so but yeah exactly she could be she could mean it's like a two-parter or it could actually be in two parts which would kind of make sense because when you look at the dark phoenix storyline it almost acts it's almost like in two different acts you have mastermind and like the hellfire club and then you have the outer space stuff right yeah no i i agree and i could see how this would be, could be like a two movie thing. I don't know. I mean, you know, the X-Men movies we've been getting lately haven't been good. Now, I was going to say great, but they haven't been good. And, you know, if they're not only going to make this movie, but split it up into two parts and like, say, maybe do like the Star Wars did and, you know, release one every year or whatever. Like, nobody's going to be like, oh, wow, I can't wait to see the rest of that. You know, it's not going to have, like, that Star Wars effect. People are just going to be like, okay, just tell me what happens. I don't give a fuck. Or Avengers, you know. I mean, this is their, this is what they're doing with Avengers Infinity War. Um, it's split up uh, one a year for two years. They did this with The Matrix, but they had, like, the two movies in the one year. So, I, I don't know. I think it's an, it'd be interesting to split this up into uh, two, two separate movies that were connected. I think it could actually work well that way. I obviously we have no idea what they're doing yet, and I'm not that hopeful for this movie, especially especially Sophie Turner. Yeah, and no, I mean X Men Apocalypse was not a good movie. It was bad, and I just don't have have much hope for this. But we'll see what happens. The next thing I wanted to talk about was that uh, so Polaris is going to be officially Magneto's daughter in the show The Gifted. And I think that this is very interesting. They're talking about how she's got this baggage of mental illness. Um, that's something that we will be exploring as time goes on is a quote, but more towards the end of the season. So I guess they're hoping, you know, that will lead into the next season. Yeah, so I just I just think that that's interesting that they're actually trying to tie this into the movie universe. By the time this episode actually gets aired, The Gifted will have already premiered. We only saw the first six minutes of it. We watched online. I am still cautiously optimistic for it. I liked Polaris's anger, her powers, all of that. Uh, I think it works perfectly showing her as Magneto's daughter, but we'll see what happens once it, once it actually premieres. So a bit of sad news is Len Wayne died recently he was 69 years old hopefully uh some of you who are actually listening to this 
know who he was. He co-created Wolverine. He helped revive the X-Men. He did Giant Size X-Men number one in 1975, which was the first new issue of X-Men, full new material X-Men book in five years at the time. And yeah, you could say, oh, Claremont really revived them. And I mean, he sort of did. He was the writer for 15 years. But this guy introduced us to the all new, all different X-Men. You know, there was Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Thunderbird, like I said, Wolverine. I, I don't know, this guy, and you know, he did a lot more than just these few X-Men books. He was an, a huge icon in the industry, and it was really sad when I found out that he passed. Yeah, I was upset about that. I mean, I love Wolverine. He's one of my favorite characters. I know a lot of people think that he's like overrated or he overused is. or whatever. He is. I don't think so, but I mean, even at the time, like just the creation of that character, like I think that's really what Marvel needed at the time. Um, mm. I think that the character Wolverine has helped the Marvel comic industry a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, that's why they have him in like 10 different books. <laughs> And why that there's now going to be like three different Wolverines here? Four. <laughs> Four? Okay. So you see what I'm saying. And I love this guy. And it's it's sad news. But. Yeah, it was sad news. But, you know, I mean, what we're getting now, this is kind of timely, is yeah. this this already happened. You know, um, when I read this story, this was obviously like weeks ago. Throughout the, the month, I look at the different news stories and decide what I'm going to put in the podcast. loves to ruin yeah. things they spoil. spoil things before it happens yeah. before the comic is released so we knew that uh 616 wolverine was returning uh axel alonzo said that yes logan is back from the dead after three years of logan free marvel universe logan is back claws popped and ready for action how he came back why he came back and just how he came into possession of that infinity stone are part of a fascinating story that's that's going to unveil soon and in some unusual places so this makes me so fucking happy but you know what makes me even happier is that oh okay so wolverine returns this week but guess what adult gene gray the original 616 gene gray is returning as well and this is a quote by somebody uh years ago gene gray died and the x-men mourned her since then the world has changed her teammates have lived without her and died without her and now when strange events start happening all over the world those teammates can only come back Come to one conclusion. The one true Jean Grey is back. Okay. Yay. Jean Grey is my favorite character, has always been my favorite character, will always be my favorite character of all time for any medium. Uh, Jean Grey, best girl. Okay. And my ultimate, number one, OTP, Jean Vereen. So fucking just... Oh, man. You know that's going to happen now. Yes. Okay. I'm sure that's going to so, happen. So, Wolver Jean... <laughs> we have 616 Logan. We have 616 Jean Grey. We have literally all the ingredients to make Wolver Jean. Oh, uh, this is and this is and the- and Ugh. and Ugh. she's not even going to be cheating on anyone because you know what? Cyclops is dead. So you know- I hope that number one, Jean and Logan have been fucking in the white hot room this entire time, and that number two, <laughs> that uh, Wolverine. What? And Jean have sex on Cyclops' grave. Wow, that is really, really yeah. fucked up. Yeah, you heard it here. Um, 
So, all right. So this is going to be ridiculous. I'm sure that this is going to happen. Adult Wolverine and adult Jean Grey getting together. But like the thing is, is like then there's, you know, Jimmy, you know, the alternate universe Wolverine kid and young young Jean that they're probably going to get together. I don't know. I think I think this is stupid. I think that they're, you know, bringing both of these characters back at the same time is stupid. It's Um, not. It's perfect for my OTP. I'm not like I'm not against either one of them returning now necessarily. I Jean more so because it's been longer it's since, been she's, so long. since she's been dead. I've missed her so much. I'm not necessarily even against Wolverine returning, but both of them at the same time. It's just oh, stupid. Listen, when um, I read uh, Generations Phoenix, I literally cried seeing <laughs> regular Jean. Like seeing adult Jean, I cried. I was like, I miss her so fucking much. I will say this though about Wolverine returning, how they did it in Marvel Legacy, making it all like kind of cryptic. And then he just, you know, stabs like the 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 frost giant like in the side of the head that was that was pretty hilarious it, it was pretty funny so that was cool i hope we get a little bit more on that the infinity stone obviously axel alonzo says we will um so adult gene gray it's going to be at the end of the year i think like the very last wednesday of december and we've got matthew rosenberg writing it and uh uh Lionel francis Yu, who's you know kind of a renowned artist uh both doing this uh they haven't really touched on exactly how this is going to happen yet so it's still sort of a mystery it it doesn't matter. She's Jean Grey. You don't really need an explanation. A phoenix, and all of a yes. sudden she she's back. Yes. That, that's it. Just Jean Grey's back from the dead. Yes. Oh, whatever. Yes. All right. So we'll we'll see what happens to that. It's still a few months away. So there you go. I can't wait. Yeah, I am there. All right, so that'll do it for this month's episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com, 1 million to save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and leave us some feedback on iTunes. When we return next month, we'll be discussing the first handful of episodes of uh, Gifted, because you guys have already seen the first episode, but we're recording this before it airs. From the past! Too spooky. We'll also be discussing the Dark Phoenix saga, catching up on all-new Wolverine, and, of course, drinking Monster Energy drinks. And until next time... Gene Varin was right. Uh.